Welcome to this week in Missouri Politics from the state capitol in Jeff City. Right before the bicentennial uh, governor's ball with Senator Lincoln up from Springfield. Welcome back to the show. Scott, good to see you. So the president comes out, and I thought Barclays made a good point last week. It looked like maybe he was distracting from Afghanistan, 9-11. He said he was going to do something, but he didn't have the order written. Right. And basically it said he's going to force a lot of folks to either have to quit their job or get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Something about that. I think you should get a vaccine. Boy, it seems aggressive for the government to do it. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been a, a fan, obviously, of, uh, of, of asking people, yeah. you know, go out, talk to your doctor, talk to your health talk, talk to the people that you've been getting health advice for you, your family, uh, your kids, your whole life about this vaccine. If you've got reservations, do that. Uh, I, I agree. I think, I think the government coming in telling you what you have to do in order to stay employed is, is the wrong message uh, for, I mean, probably hundreds of thousands of employees. It's like to state. me a private business, right? If you're an airline, if you sell hearing aids, right? You might want to have to put on the front of the door that all everybody here is vaccinated. Might make you more money if you're a private company. I have some sympathy for those folks, but the government just seems like the wrong person. To be well, don't you that. think? Don't you think we go back? I mean, if you want to go all the way back to a, to, to the real free market, right? So if if a company says all my employees are going to be vaccinated and half of them leave and that company can no longer be in business, they can't make their widgets anymore. Yep. Then the market then dictates. Well, maybe that wasn't the best policy. However. If then all of a sudden their, their widget sales go through the roof because everybody wants to buy the vaccinated widgets from these people, fantastic. Let it, let it play out. But don't, don't force somebody one way or the other. It's let them make of, those decisions. It's a lot of logic coming from Springfield. Springfield's a good community, Scott. You should come down more often. I want to talk about one of the favorite sons of Springfield. Johnny Morris is now enshrined in the Hall of Famous Missouri. He is. A, a guy that deserves it. I mean, his story sure. deserves it. Sure. He is, and he's been, you know, I think everybody, everybody in Springfield that I know has a Johnny Morris story, right? <laughs> so my dad used to have the insurance policy back when, 100 years ago when he was an insurance salesman for a hot minute for, for, for Johnny and his family. And, uh, and his wife, Jeannie, has been a friend, you know, forever. They've got, they've got kids that are about the same ages as all of my siblings. For the it's, two people that it's don't hilarious. know, he owns Bass Pro Shops. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was one person left on the planet that didn't know that. <laughs> uh, but the guy's just done He's done so much, yeah. not just for Springfield, not just, honestly, Scott, not just for Missouri, for conservation, for, for you know, tens of thousands of acres that they, that they now protect and, and allow people to go out and, uh, and hunt and fish and recreate and play. And, and I think, you know, it's a guy who took, I mean, the, the, the super short story is his father owned liquor stores. He started selling fish, fishing lures in the back. I mean, little fishing lures. And the guys would come in and pick up what they needed for their day out on the lake, and they'd, and they'd grab a couple of fishing lures while they're headed out. And it's turned into... All over the world. It's all over the world, yeah. and it's, it's amazing. It's a great Missouri story. And I think it was great to put him in the Hall of Famous Missourians. I think that was, that was great. His family was up here. Truly deserved. There's not one person that could deny that. He earned it. Totally agree. Let's go back to the vaccine thing for a minute. So... You've got, a, you've got a special session letter that someone in the House has floated, someone in the Senate's floated. Mm-hmm. But I think going back to maybe the rush part of this, Joe Biden announced this before the weekend of 9-11. Mm-hmm. It's, we're now a week later, and he still hasn't actually published the rule. I think it would be hard to have a special session before you even know what you're trying to fight against. We don't know, in my opinion. Now, we had a lot of members that signed on to that letter and said, you know, call us in, let's do this. My opinion, I don't know what we need to do right now to offset what the federal government hasn't said yet that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. How's that? 
It, you could, uh, you you might run into some issues writing a law to blunt something that you have no idea about. Right. Now, what if what if you do come out? What if you actually read this order and it's pretty egregious? Then mm -hmm. you come in. Well, then then I think then we've got a thoughtful approach that we can sit down. I'm also, I mean, I believe that before we come back in here, I mean, we've got we've got four and a half five months to do our jobs anyway. Yeah. Uh, we've got a lot to do. We've got redistricting coming up. We've got congressional maps that have to be drawn. Things like that. Uh, obviously, you know, the discussion on the floor right now, uh, dealing with appropriations in that process, mm -hmm. looks like looks like that's going to be maybe a little different uh, moving forward. Maybe not, but if you if you don't know exactly how or even have a have a plan of how a special session is going to go, we've seen these things before, and it's not beneficial to anyone. And it I mean, you know, the thing that the thing that always bothers me about it, it costs Missouri money. When we all come back up here, and the 200-plus staff people around this building that all have all kinds of work to do associated with calling ourselves back into a special session or asking the governor to do so. I've never seen a good one where everybody wasn't on the same page from the outset. Right. Whether the same party's not, if they don't all have a total agreement. Like, there was a special session about Kim Gardner. Mm -hmm. Everybody wasn't on board, right? And it, and I think it was a disaster by any. We were on, we were on board on you know what two or three out of the five or six things that we wanted, you know that, that some people wanted to get yep. done. Uh, half a consensus, I guess maybe you can argue, is, is better than nothing. But you know you didn't hit you didn't hit the home run, Scott. You hit kind of like a it's like an infield double, right? like a like a like a bad one. Yeah, like, like somebody missed something and tripped. Let's uh, let's back up. You know a little bit about the state budget. Where's mm -hmm. Missouri's finances right now? Right now we're in good shape. Uh, our numbers last month, uh, I think off the top of my head, I was talking with our, our Senate budget folks yesterday. I mean, still double-digit monthly growth. How do you explain it? You're a business owner. You're one of the few business owners when you talk about creating jobs you actually have. Sure. It is. It just doesn't make sense to me that we'd be growing like this still. I think I think it's still it's it's pent up demand in my opinion. Still, okay. I think I think there's a lot of people that uh, you know 2020 was such a weird and odd and mm. often shut down year. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pent-up demand. I think there's a lot of money that's, that's sitting out that people, you know, need to, want to, should invest and spend. And a lot of, I mean, folks, if, if travel's harder, yeah. you're not spending money going places, and so you're spending it on your kids, you're spending it on your house. I mean, uh, I hear stories all the time about people that are, you know, doing home improvements right mm -hmm. now because they've got a little bit extra money in their bank account. So where does that, the inf between the inflation, pent-up demand by definition will end. Mm -hmm. Do you start saving some of that money for the state? I mean, it, ju it just feels like to me there's a day of reckoning for all the money that's been outlaid. But then I see the state has, what, a billion dollars, billion and a half Almost dollars? two. Almost two billion dollars sitting right now. First of all, what are you going to do with that money? Well, lucky for me, I'm only, <laughs> I'm only the vice chairman, right? Uh, so uh, our good Senator Hageman's got another year in the helm. You going to do and a little broadband, though? The, governor, the governor's got a $400 million broadband rollout program, which, you know, if COVID, if COVID showed us anything, where, in my opinion, uh, we still have considerable work to do, it's with high-speed Internet in rural Missouri. Yep. Okay? We still have a handful of schools in this state where those kids don't have high-speed Internet. And when we go through these, I call them rolling brownouts, right? When we, we go through these quarantine protocols on, on classrooms, and then those kids have to go home and virtually learn. Uh, if they've got that ability. I don't want a family having to go drive 10 or 15, 25 miles to a, to a library somewhere so that then they can utilize that Wi-Fi and that Internet so that their son or daughter can do their coursework that they're having to do online. Like, it's all hard enough, right? So I am, I am, I'm excited that the governor has uh, rolled that package out. I think that's great. It feels to me like every technological advantage has drilled people to the cities. 
almost everything that we've seen for the last hundred years has took people to cities. But rural broadband is the one thing where you're a cattle farmer, a little hard to do that in the city. But the one thing you could go, and you, if you, you felt like you have to live in Springfield even, you could go back to McDonald County with rural broadband, you'd be close enough to the airport there in Springfield, and you could raise your family in Pineville if that's what you wanted to do. Sure. It's the one thing that could allow folks to be back in a rural setting, and with COVID and with some of the restrictions and things, I think it makes that even more enticing. I think it makes it enticing. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, people that people that are looking to, to grow their family or build a home or something like that and maybe don't want that urban lifestyle, uh, rural broadband is a, is a direct connect back to all the things you need while still having that, that peace of mind out in the country. Talk about some common sense. A floor down here at the state capitol, there was some exhibits about the state's history for the bicentennial. Mm -hmm. One of them was about the LGBT community and how gay people have, have had to fight, frankly, to, mm -hmm. to be treated equal. Mm -hmm. The state, you have to think, now maybe being from Butler County, that's easy for me to see coming, but if you do that in this state capitol, somebody's gonna complain. Then they did complain and they moved it, then they moved it to another building and they had to come up with some silly story. Mm -hmm. Is it time to maybe, instead of you guys passing along, maybe somebody should say, okay, this is how we decide what's going to be in the Capitol. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, I guess it's a, it's an administration, administrative call. Uh, here, here's what I'll say on that front. Senator Razor is a friend of mine. Yeah. To listen to him this morning on the Senate floor, have the conversation that he had, he had a point of personal privilege and he talked about, uh, he talked about some unique struggles that he personally has been through, that he knows people have been through, friends of his. Scott, it's unbelievable to me that in the year 2021, there is a population that someone else may not agree with for whatever reason, and they can still be discriminated against. It's unbelievable to me. And this may be going too far, but I think, if, I think if I was in charge and someone had moved that exhibit on their own accord, I think I'd have fired them. And then I think I would have brought that back and I'd have gone down and I'd have, I'd have made a public statement that everyone in this state is welcome. Whether you're, whether you're different than me or not, you know what I think? I think that makes us all better. I think understanding other people makes us better. I think I've got two boys, William's seven, Sam's three, and I tell them all the time that different perspectives make you better. Seeing, seeing something through someone else's eyes, whether you agree with it or not, gives you a better understanding of the world that you live in. Something in my gut, that feels like the right approach. It feels like that should be back here in the Capitol. Absolutely. And you shouldn't have to come up with silly stories about committees. You just put it back. Right. Just put it back. Let me ask you one last question. Sure. So you have uh, you've been vaccinated. You've actually helped. Double vaccinated. Clinic. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, you're totally good. Right. Let's say somebody doesn't know yet, and they come up and they ask you, what do you tell someone about getting vaccinated? Let's say there's uh, obviously sure. at this point in the game, this vaccine's been out there for six months. Mm -hmm. There's a reason you haven't done it, a little mm -hmm. hesitant. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody if they come up to you and said, okay, you did this, why'd you do it? Sure. Uh, I, I, think, I think what I would say is, and, I've, and I have said this, talk to your doctor. Talk to mm -hmm. your health care provider. Talk to the people that you've trusted your whole life. Talk to the people that, you know, brought your kids into the world that took care of your parents or your grandparents as they aged. 
and you heeded that advice along the way, and now you have a reservation for some reason with, with listening to that medical advice because you're hearing other things. Being hesitant is fine. Asking questions is good. It's a show me state. Yeah. I would just, I mean, and I have. I mean, we've, we hosted a, a vaccine clinic down in Springfield and had, you know, a good turnout, and we had bipartisan support down there. And I think the message there was this isn't, it's, getting a vaccine is not a partisan issue, folks. And if, if you're hesitant about it, talk to your doctor. Senator Up, thank you so much for joining us. Scott, it's always a pleasure. Good to see you. Come back down to Springfield. Indeed. We'll be right back. Curtis Gregory makes his debut on the show after this. All across Missouri, our new car and truck dealers are building strong local economies. When you buy a car or truck in Missouri, you're helping to support over 20,000 Missouri families who rely on the auto industry for good-paying local jobs. You're also helping fund our communities, schools, first responders, and our roads because dealers generate millions of dollars in tax revenue. Missouri's automobile dealers have been the foundation of our communities for generations and for generations to come. The Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, the heart of Missouri. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state. Helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, boost reliability with self-healing equipment, and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. That's energy at work. Ameren, Missouri. Welcome to this week in Missouri Politics from the state capitol right before the bicentennial ball. We are joined by... Representative Ashley Alani, Platt County. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. First time on the show, Representative Emily Ware from Kansas City. Like thank you. Pen. Well, thank you so much. Aaron Baker, the man at the top of the heap of Republican consultants and the top of the heat of his sport coat game, no question. Welcome back, sir. Thank you very much. Good to be here. First time on the show, Curtis Gregory, Marshall, Missouri. Very glad to have you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Let's start off right at the top. Biden comes out. And, and I, last week on the show, Barclays made a point that I kind of agreed with. It looked like it was forced, right? It looked like it was rushed, probably because of 9-11. He doesn't even have it printed yet, but essentially he's going to say, if you do business with the federal government and you do anything that touches the federal government, you have to have a vaccine. I saw you wrote a letter to the president objecting. What was the letter about? Um, just going over some, some case history um, that was researched and just really trying to send a message of solidarity. And I really like the idea of that letter because looking at what we could do in the legislature, there's not a whole lot at this moment from what I've gathered over the last 24 hours. And we gotta wait for the actual rule to get written. And so to me, this letter was just kind of the quickest way to stand up for our citizens and say, we're gonna take a stand against this for you. And I was happy to sign on. I was a little disappointed when they actually put a little signature line because I wanted to be the John Hancock on that, <laughs> on that deal. I wanted to sign as big as I could in my terrible cursive handwriting, you know, Curtis Gregory on there. But I was really excited about that letter. Representative, I, I understand what he's trying to do, but. If you do business with the federal government now, you're probably a big company. Most big companies are making their employees get vaccinated. It looked like it was maybe rushed. Like, you make this announcement before you even got it done. Wouldn't you write the order, then announce it? 
You know, I think that it was an opportunity for the administration to signal to the country that they are ready and willing to take bold moves to stop this pandemic. And I think that, unfortunately, you know, I, I understand the idea behind the letter that the Speaker and um, House Republicans wrote and signed on to. Um, unfortunately, though, I, I really feel that um, it's not offering solutions. It's just challenging the order. And what we need to do is stop this pandemic. And if we don't stop the pandemic, complaining about it isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to solve it. But do you really think the answer? I mean, I've, if you want a vaccine in Missouri, you can get one. No waiting, pretty much. I've been vaccinated. That's what I chose. But the folks that have chosen to not get the vaccine, you really think forcing them is the move? You know, uh, there's precedent for that. Uh, 1777 we started and George Washington ordered uh, inoculation of his troops against smallpox. We've been doing this since the founding of our country. We need to keep each other safe. Public health is a must. Representative Weber, it feels a little bit forced when you, you instead of making the case to folks they should take the vaccine, now you're just making them take the vaccine. It feels as though, may, it, I don't want to say heavy handed because I think it comes from a good place on it, but it does have a bit of, um, is it really necessary? Uh, I, I feel that this point is necessary. I mean, we are sitting in a pandemic. We are still masking up. Uh, people are still, I mean, our hospitals are getting full. And so I think at this point, we really need to do something to make sure that we don't have any more variants that are going to be coming through, especially in Missouri. Uh, you know, I'm in Kansas City and our hospitals are just filled to the rim. And um, our healthcare workers are pleading for our help at, once again to please get vaccinated because what they're seeing is the non-vaccinated people coming into the hospitals who are who are deathly sick and then who eventually some uh, unfortunately die and so i think at this point we really need to curve this and so we can help each other and we can move on safely aaron Baker, if you don't want the vaccine no it's not the decision i made i, I don't know that it's that smart of a decision but if you don't want it is it really the move to force people to take it this is a this is a really tough situation because Republican voters don't feel like politicians or people can stop a pandemic. General election voters, when we go into November in places like Platt and Jackson County, Republicans are going to have a really hard time because if they don't show that they're doing things to stop the pandemic, uh, they may get punished for it. And so when you're running in a primary or versus a general, these are really tough issues. And it's going to be a while before we know, politically speaking, at those elections, what voters really think about these topics. All right, Representative, I got a mother in West Butler County. <clears throat> She's just stubborn as she can be, won't take the shot. What would you say to somebody to try to, instead of forcing them, what would you say to convince someone? I have found that the best way to talk to folks who are vaccine hesitant is to ask questions and to really understand where they're coming from, because that's the most important thing we can do is find out um, what their reasons are, because we all have our own reasons for making the personal decisions we make, and I understand that. Uh, you know, what I would really emphasize, though, is that um, Americans have a history of, of looking out for each other. Missourians have a history of looking out for each other. We take care of each other, and we are being asked by our leaders, by each other, to protect each other, and I think we should just do that. Aaron Baker, you persuade more people to do more things than probably anybody I know. How would you persuade folks on this? Well, do, do you go out and encourage them to get vaccinated, and what, what case can you make? I think the media is missing out on telling folks that this is Donald Trump's vaccine. Yeah, I thought that too. We need to have conservatives pleading with conservatives who are vaccine hesitant and making arguments that make sense to them. Uh, you know, people might get vaccinated because they found out you were or, or I was. Yes. You know, we got to let those folks know. And I think we can't be shy to give credit to conservatives who are doing that and let conservatives. Well, Jason Smith says he took the Trump vaccine, right? <clears throat> he That's should. His. 
That, I mean, that's a great way to put it. Representative Oni, something happened in the Capitol. Just, just down the hall here, there was some exhibits about Missouri history for the Bicentennial. One of them was about LGBT uh, individuals and their, their move towards better recognition. It, it seems to me that if you do that in the Missouri Capitol, you know someone's going to complain. So why are you surprised when someone complains and then why move it? So I'm never surprised. <laughs> I will say that. I was not surprised that there were complaints. I was surprised that it was removed and that there were, was um, some misrepresentation of the process from the governor's office. Uh, I think what's really frustrating is that uh, when we think about the history of Missourians, every single Missourian has a story to tell. Every individual Missourian their history matters to Missouri history. And I frankly don't know what is controversial about fighting for your rights. You know, it, to me, it's just a bad thing, a bad idea from the start. If you're going to do that here in this building, someone's going to complain. I can't believe they didn't expect that, right? Yes, I, I think if we can be disappointed or discouraged or anything, I think we need a proper vetting process on what's on display for fourth graders. And once it's there, it's really hard to take it back. Uh, but I, I don't think we need to focus on blame or anything like that. They wanted to paint over Thomas Hart Benton's work in the House Gallery as well. So this isn't our first time of kind of having controversy of what we're seeing and saying in the Capitol. Don't you think maybe that might be either one, why don't you get that stuff out of here and put offices in for people that don't have them? Or two, maybe there should be a process for what you put on display so you don't have to go try to backtrack with stories. Well, I, I agree. You know, reading about it and looking at it, um, I wasn't right up on my emails and following kind of along. It was basically when I started hearing about it, it was after it already been removed. And, and what I gathered, it just seemed like nobody really knew who to point the finger at and who approved it going up. And I'm just going to kind of piggyback off of there. Like, I'm going to say we're, we're coming into the school starting again. We've actually got kids in school again, kids coming down here. Um, let's just look at the process again. Um, and make sure that we're, we're covering all the bases the right way. Now, I, you're a uh, big politician from Kansas City. I'm just a simple hillbilly. I didn't buy any of the story about how it got removed or there was a committee or any of that. I think people complained and they moved it. I don't think there was a vote or any of that stuff. Maybe those should be turned into offices for folks like yourself that have to be in a, something that's really... No other world would you call that an office. It's like a, it's like a closet. Maybe just make them offices, right? I mean, yeah, you, you could do something like that. That would, that would be great. We would have an office. But I do uh, think that, you know, this is the capital, and I do love having, you know, I'm, I'm a graphic designer by trade, so I love, I love doing you know, museum exhibits and things like that, and I, I love learning, and I love uh, looking at the designs. Um, and so I, I think that this is a great space that we can use to educate others on history that is happening here in Missouri. Uh, and allowing them to, you know, for all ages. Well, Greg Razor did a tremendous job. He yeah. took a point of personal privilege, and he made the case. I mean, he wasn't happy, but he didn't go over the top with things. So let's talk about, you were on redistricting committee for House or Senate? Senate. All right, this is what I think. These things get together, and they're made to never agree. Am I wrong? Well, I think in this, on the Senate side, I can't speak for the House, we seem to have 20 commissioners uh, more or less, that want to find some sort of agreement and do what, what the process has, has told us to do, which is to come up with a map. And I think that we have a lot of similar goals. And I think on the Senate side, I think it's possible. It's not been done in the last 30 years. 34 districts, right, it's, than it is 162. And to be honest, yeah. yes. And, and there are only so many parts of the state that would be a contentious type of discussion. So it is nothing like the House map. 
be very interesting. You watch this process unfold. Your Saline County has been in a in a district of Warrensburg, been a district of Cass County, been in North Missouri, been a little bit of everywhere. It's going to be interesting to me to see how these districts come out and how you divide that population. Yeah, you know, I feel really blessed where I'm at in Saline County. I live in Marshall, so I've got an instant population base of around 13,000 people there. Um, if I go west into Lafayette County, I went to high school in Alma. I mean, those those are my people over there too. I go north. I know a lot of folks north of the river. I go east. I know a lot of folks east of the river. I go south. So well, playing for really helps with that, right? Uh, <laughs> a little bit. And being just a small town farm kid, you know, back in Blackburn, Missouri, growing up out in the country. So I got a lot of support no matter where it goes. And just being around the state and meeting more and more folks, I feel really comfortable how it works. And, and kind of like Aaron Baker here said that 162 puzzle pieces are a lot harder to put together. So if I was a Democrat and I saw Nicole Galloway get, what, 40% of the vote, I would wonder why we don't have 40% of the legislators. I've always thought it's not as much gerrymandering as Democrats live in tightly condensed areas right on the state line. It's going to be hard to be properly represented at that amount, isn't it? It is. Um, I do think that, you know, we have certainly opportunities. Um, We're seeing a lot of places in Missouri that grew exponentially. My district is one of those places. Um, We have 10,000 more people in my district than um, we're supposed to. So now I think my district may get smaller or who knows. Um, But, you know, I I think that representation really matters on a statewide level and we're not seeing that yet. I hope redistricting helps with that. uh, But with Republicans in control, I don't have hope for that. (laughs) I mean, you have a a district in the city Uh that could be cut a lot of different ways. It has, and I also think it's interesting to me, the Democrats got involved with a bit of a plan to change it, using some ethics stuff, then Republicans come in. It, I don't know that the, the way the Republicans that are going to change much of anything about how these districts are done. Where do you want your district to go? I mean, with my district, it's, you know, I have the Missouri, it's the Missouri River State Line, 47th Street to Troost. So it just makes sense for that 47th Street to move up north um, in, my, in my head. Uh, it makes sense. So it would make sense for that line, that boundary line, to just move up. Uh, now, my district did grow, so I would have to look at exactly where, you know, where that line would fall to make sense. Um, but we all know that that line's probably going to move. Give me a prediction, Aaron Baker. Do these commissions draw maps or do the judges draw the maps? I think the Senate, will, the Senate map will come from the commission. I think the House will go to the judges. I'm too new to give an opinion, but from what everybody says... The judges are going to take care of it. I'm going to say double judges. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with judges. Judges. And when the maps are done, do you think Democrats will say they're unfair? Yes. Yes. I think they'll say they're unfair. No question. <laughs> no. Representative with a minute left, who won the week? I think Joe Biden won the week. I'm really proud of the administration for this, uh, this new rule, and uh, I'm excited to see where the country goes from here. Who won the week? I will have to say Chiefs. Yeah, nice, nice. Who won the week? Eric Schmidt, reopening Ray's Diner in Jackson County. I mean, he's piling up wins. I, I, I thought Mayor Jones made a point when he was losing these lawsuits. She started gigging him for it. It's like almost the day she sent that tweet. He's just been on a roll of right. winning these things. Right. Who won the week? Well, I think uh, my good buddy, Representative Dean Plocker, um, I got behind him right after I basically got in the race on the floor leader deal. Him and I hit it off. I think he truly cares about every single member on the Republican side and really every, every member in the House and, and wanting to help them advance their priorities. Um, the, the torch kind of passed, and he's now got the title of the next most powerful man in the House as Speaker-elect. He's a good man. Very interesting. 
I'm going to say the person that won the week is Senator Lauren Arthur. Brian Williams come in and stole the show at our roast of, uh, of Senator Rizzo, which we had a great time. But really, we've heard Lauren wrote the jokes. I think she won the week with, the, with her comedy. We'll see you next week on This Week in Missouri Politics. Missouri Politics, sponsored by the Missouri Association of Career Fire Protection Districts, Spire, and Sterling Bank.